plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, if it's 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, it is party time here at Star Style. Be the star you are. Hello, power partners. Welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. Brought to the airways under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. I am Cynthia Bryan. I was yesterday, I still am today, and I am glad to be here with you. The miracle moment for today is always brought to you by Be The Star You Are. Visit btsya.org. But a shout out to Green Air for uh, sponsoring our forthcoming Moraga Fair. So check out bethestaryouare.org forward slash events and get involved. This is from... Hippocrates, a wise man should consider that health is the greatest of human blessings. And we're going to talk about health today because segment one is all about the coronavirus, the COVID-19, and up to the second, today's latest information, um, it really has been proven to be pretty formidable, and the death toll is mounting as people around the world are becoming infected. Everyone's kind of afraid of a pandemic, and so we just want to bring you the facts of what you need to know so you do not panic and um, that you can stay as healthy as you possibly can. In segment two, you know, you don't need to feel thirsty to be dehydrated, and dehydration happens so rapidly, it can lead to serious problems, including stroke, even death. So we'll talk about staying hydrated and um, also being healthy. And I know firsthand about dehydration. It's happened to me several times, and, um, and my mom actually even died from it. And then finally, we'll just have, be a little more lighthearted because uh, spring is still a few weeks away, but in California, the hills are alive with the sound of blooms and blossoms. So we are enjoying the sunshine. It's like 85 degrees here today. Um, I think we need to do a rain dance, but I will show you how to make compost so you can um, keep your gardens a little bit moist. So here are some of the facts that you probably haven't heard. Now, this virus that's called the novel coronavirus, it's now being called SARS-CoV-2, which causes the disease called COVID-19. And it really has proven to be rather formidable. Um, since the, the coronavirus began hot scotching for Wuhan, China to other countries, including the U.S., public health officials have really scrambled to keep up with this threat that it poses to millions of people around the world. Now, it was first identified in Wuhan, China on December 31st of this past year. And then it, now it has spread as of today to every continent except for Antarctica. The death rate appears to be higher than that of the seasonal flu, but it's also varying by location as well as person's ages 
and underlying health conditions, among other factors. As of today, um, 3,200 people have died. Now, uh, obviously, that number could be variable because they're really not sure if everybody around the world is reporting the virus and reporting deaths from it. Now, scientists are not certain where the virus originated, though they know that the coronaviruses, which also include SARS and MERS, are passed between animals and humans. Now, research comparing the genetic sequence of SARS-CoV-2 with the viral database suggested it originated in bats. But since no bats were sold at the seafood market in Wuhan at the disease's epicenter, there's been other research that has suggested possibly the pangolin, which is an endangered mammal. Um, they, it, people buy it for its scales. And I know a couple of months ago, I was reading about it in a National Geographic. It's this darling little animal and really, really sad how people kill this animal to have the scales. You know, they think it enhances sexuality and treats diseases and all of that. Now, there are currently no treatments for the disease, and we don't know if it really is the pangolin or what it was. And labs are working on various treatments, including a vaccine. But every single day, the number of people sickened by this virus is climbing. And as of today, it's estimated that those who have been confirmed with the virus, 3.4% have died compared to the seasonal flu, which normally kills less than 0.1%. So the World Health Organization, their latest estimate that the 3.4% of patients who have died is actually in line with what the agency has been reporting for over a week. And then they take a close look at what's happening in China. Now, the World Health Organization, we call it WHO, they concluded that actually 5.8% of patients in the city of Wuhan, which is the outbreak's epicenter, where there was a flood of early severe cases, 5.8% of all of those patients have died. And what about the rest of the world? Well, it's really, it's worsening in several places, especially in Iran, where as of Tuesday, 4.4% of more, of more than uh, 1,500 patients so far of this uh, COVID-19 have died. And that's actually, that number is actually helping to drive the global death calculation. And it continues to spread despite quarantines, despite canceled events, and despite other efforts to slow it. Now, um, the Surgeon General has said that caution's appropriate, preparedness is appropriate, but panic is not. And so this is why I want to bring you this program so we don't panic. Now, one of the things about face masks, a lot of people have been wearing face masks, those disposable face masks, but they're really only recommended for people who are coughing or sneezing or people who have to leave the house. Um, and so in that case, wear a face mask if you are thinking that you're sick. Now, um, this COVID-19, which some people just call the Wuhan coronavirus after the city where it originated, um, is officially dubbed the COVID-19, but it isn't understood at, at all. And it likely came from a non-human animal ho host, although, as I said previously, we don't know which one. I mean, scientists were criticized when they wrote a study suggesting that snakes might be the source. 
and then the pangolins, which are poached for their scale, um, or the bats, but there really isn't any evidence. So there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there about the origin of the virus, and uh, health experts are trying to condemn rumors and speculation. Now, what are coronaviruses? They really are a family of viruses that often cause mild respiratory symptoms, like the common cold is actually one, is a coronavirus. But some can cause really serious illness, like the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus that was called SARS-CoV, and it jumped from bats to humans in China's Guangdong province in 2002, and it infected more than 8,000 people worldwide, and it killed 774, but it still, you know, it still wasn't considered a pandemic. Now, cases have been confirmed, as I said, all around the world. And you can go to the Center for Disease Control, the CDC.org, to see what countries are infected. And it's interesting because they do, uh, they do levels. Like if it's level four, it means stay away completely. Level three, you shouldn't be going. Level two, you might be wanting to cancel any travel things. And level one is just to be cautious. But I've been checking it literally every day in anticipation of doing this show. And what's so interesting is how it first starts in a few countries and then pretty soon there are more countries that are moved up. So as of March 4th, there were more than 94,200 confirmed cases, and that's according to the World Health Organization. Now, the majority of cases, more than 80,200 of them, have actually been within mainland China, but there are now outbreaks in South Korea, Japan, Iran, and Italy that have really gotten bad. Now, the South Korean officials confirmed more than 5,600 cases, and so it's opened uh, more test sites. I think there's a hundred test sites just in South Korea. Um, and they are confirming the cases. So what officials are doing, they're announcing strict bans on public gatherings to be that could help to stop the spread. Many have closed schools, universities, at least for the next two weeks. Now, Italy has a very high percentage of elderly citizens. It's second in the world only to Japan. And officials are really concerned that the death rates are going to be high there. So as you probably read or heard on the news, northern Italy, like Milan and Venice and cities around it, and even some of the southern the southern provinces of Italy have already closed their doors and they're not letting people in or out. Now, Japan just today actually they have over a thousand cases reported you know and they're holding they're going to host the 2020 summer olympic games hopefully but as of today the country canceled this year's cherry blossom festivals which usually draw millions and millions of visitors i know that my good friend and my pen pal from norway um has a ticket to go to japan for the cherry blossom festival it's something it was on her bucket list she's always wanted to do it was going to do it with a group of friends and I don't know what they're going to do right now but there will be no cherry blossom festival now in Iran it's actually worse they've been 3,000 cases reported at least 92 deaths um, and 23 members of parliament 10% of the country's lawmakers have tested positive for the virus so who is calling Iran's outbreak really worrisome? And probably a lot of the problem in Iran is there's so much political unrest. 
the borders are porous, there's inadequate access to health care. So it makes Iran a particularly dangerous place for the virus to spread. Now, most people who catch this new uh, coronavirus SARS, COV-2, they're going to recover at home. Now, some are going to need hospitalization to fight the virus. But in a number of patients, the, the COVID-19 is truly deadly. And scientists can't say yet for sure what the fatality rate will be because they're not certain how many people have actually been infected because they don't have enough tests to go around. So what does this mean for you and your family? Do you know all you need to know to stay safe from this and other life-threatening viruses? So we need to give you um, as much information as possible. So how could a new virus such as this spread so quickly? Well, it's not really entirely new because, as I said, it is a member of these human coronaviruses that they were first discovered in the 1960s. There are seven types that infect humans, four types that cause the common cold. And for the most part, coronaviruses infect animals. So the genetic material the viruses evolve and infect humans, and then they spread among humans. And SARS was caused by a coronavirus that jumped from animals to humans in 2002, as I said, from bats to humans. And so they believe that this COVID-19 came out of a live animal market. And if you've ever traveled to to um, the Far East, if you've traveled to any Asian countries or India, you'll see these open markets with live animals. And unfortunately, it's really sad because there's, you know, they have thousands literally of chickens stuffed together and, and meat just hanging. And it's, it's not, it's, it's not, I don't know. And it smells, it's really bad. I, I actually couldn't take it when I was in Vietnam and Cambodia. I just couldn't go to these meat and fish markets. So um, there's a few things that you can do because this really is contagious. It, it's going to take more time to know exactly. In China, health authorities know that it spreads from person to person because individuals who have had no contact with animal markets have become infected. And one of these novel viruses is hazardous because They've been around for a while and people haven't developed immunity and it makes them more susceptible to disease, especially newborns and infants. They could be at really high risk uh, because the mothers aren't immune. And of course, um, older people and anyone who has a compromised immune system. So if we can assume that COVID-19 is going to be similar to SARS, it may require close contact to spread, but um, you know, it could, you could get it from Kissing, hugging, sharing an eating utensil, a drinking vessel, even touching someone or talking to someone within three feet or even they say six feet because you can breathe in droplets that a six person coughs or sneezes or even if they exhale near you. So you want to stay away from people who are sick. If you are sick, you stay home. Don't go to school. Don't go to work. And they can also be infected. I mean, by be transmitted by touching an infected surface, uh, surface like a door handle, an elevator button, um, so many things that you just take for granted. And so, you know, it's, it's pretty hard. If you touch this spot and then you touch your mouth, your nose, your eyes, you could become infected. And it, this um, virus is found to persist, this is bad, for up to nine days on surfaces, like on metal, glass, plastic, or wood. So 
this is not a good thing. And it has been found in the stool samples of patients suggesting also that, you know, if you don't wash your hands. So according to uh, the Center for Disease Control, you really have to practice good hygiene. Wash your hands frequently with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. People say, sing happy birthday and wash with hot water and regular soap. You don't want to wash with antibacterial soap because what can happen um, with that is that you can actually build up this um, immunity that the soap does that will actually help you catch the virus. So just regular soap and water. And then use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer when soap and water is not available. Use rubbing alcohol to wash down your counters, and I would just take some in a spray bottle with you. If you can't open a door handle with your elbow um, and you have to open something with your hand, then you definitely want to use some alcohol. People who are sick should always cover their mouths and coughs and sneezes using a tissue and the crook of their elbow and then wash your hands after using a tissue to wipe your nose or mouth. And in fact, anybody, whether you think you're sick or not, you should never just sneeze or cough. Always just put your elbow up. And then, of course, as I said, stay home from work, from school. Don't touch your eyes, your nose, or your mouth unless you have washed your hands. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention suggest making pro, uh, preparations for a potential period of time when you or your family member may need to stay home or maybe you're going to be quarantined. So make sure you have 30 to 90 day supply of medications and enough non-perishable food on hand as well as a pet food. And of course, you can go to the cdc.gov or cchealth.org to get more information. But scientists are still investigating the profiles of those who have become ill and again, in general, people who are old or very young or who have compromised immune systems typically are at the higher risk. But we do need to keep this in perspective. It is believed to have killed the 3,200 people as of today. But, you know, during a typical flu season in the U.S., 10 to 45 million people are sickened. And as many as 61,000 can die, and that's according to the CDC. So more cases are likely to be identified in the United States. It seems like every day more are being identified. We've had several in California. Washington is the, is the worst state so far with several deaths, but a lot of those were at a, um, a senior uh, living center where people were compromised. And... The, the problem is that the COVID-19 would translate, if there's widespread transmission, to large number of people needing medical care at the same time. So uh, places where there's mass gatherings, they may experience more absenteeism, and the public health and healthcare systems may become overloaded, and then that is going to elevate um, the deaths. So you need to protect yourselves and others from getting and spreading respiratory illnesses like the flu. So try to stay away, if at all possible, from, from big gatherings and parties. And I know that I had to be in San Francisco this past weekend, and we went to a really po uh, popular, there was a conference, and then went to a popular restaurant, and the restaurant was literally empty. 
And this is a restaurant where you can never get reservations. So um, a couple of non-personal uh, and non-pharmaceutical interventions, they call them NPI, that, yes, that you can do. They include staying home when you're sick, you know, again, covering cough and sneeze, washing your hands, and just actually trying to avoid people who are sick. Now, for more information, please do go to the cdc.gov. They are doing daily updates, and I think you'll find a lot of information. Oh, one last thing. If you do have to fly somewhere, it's really good to bring some Clorox wipes and wipe down your seat, wipe down, uh, don't, if you're going to touch a magazine, wipe that. The tray tables are the dirtiest things in airlines, and you may just want to bring some gloves and maybe a face mask. But if you don't have to travel, they're advising try not to travel until mid-April, and it should actually burn itself out. And the last thing to do is don't panic. This too will pass. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about dehydration. <laughs> so we're going to stick with the health issues for uh, these two segments. And I hope you stay safe and healthy. Go wash your hands during the break. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Be the star you are. The star you us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. Well, I don't know if it's a party when we're talking about sickness, but you know what? I'm really talking about how to stay healthy, and that's the most important thing. So dehydration can occur in just a matter of hours, and a lot of people don't realize how dangerous it is. Left unchecked, it can lead to serious problems from an increased risk of stroke, kidney stones, impaired cognitive function, to even kidney failure, and then even death. 
And it is really particularly common in seniors. And one of the main reasons is their diminished sense of thirst. As people get older, the kidneys lose the ability to conserve as much water. Now, I know personally about dehydration and literally um, until people started taking portable water bottles around because I am so active and I was always really athletic that literally from my teen years, uh, just until water bottles, I started carrying water everywhere. I would go places and I would get dehydrated. And I think I ended up in the hospital four or five times. And it usually happened after I flew somewhere. I'd fly to New Orleans, I flew to Jamaica or whatever it was, or after I was really exhausted after doing a television shoot or a film shoot and I hadn't had enough water because in those days we didn't have water bottles, you know, on the set and you had to go get a glass and you couldn't have glasses around. And I never really understood what it was, but I didn't have the hospital and they'd have to give me an IV. And then I would feel just not so good for, for two days. Then, um, speaking of death with dehydration, my mom, who is a major gardener, I learned everything from her. She was gardening and, you know, it was 104 degrees. She got dehydrated. She went to the emergency room and they didn't treat her for almost 12 hours. And of course, she got more dehydrated, more dehydrated. By the time I got there um, and was begging them to treat her, they gave her too much fluid and they put her into heart failure and a stroke. And she ended up dying. And she, she literally died from dehydration. So this is serious. And I want you to take it seriously. The problem is, is that many people don't realize that Thirst is not the first or only sign of dehydration. You may not even feel thirsty, even though you need water. You may know some, but I bet you don't know all the warning signs of mild dehydration. And that's what happened to me is I would get a mild thing, but I would just keep going because I didn't, I didn't know it was dehydrated and I just thought I was tired. So the first uh, sign is like feeling tired or lethargic. And you think, oh gosh, I mean, I've just been working too hard. I'm just feeling tired. But that could mean that you're dehydrated. Or you get just a slight headache. Or you start getting a muscle cramp. You know, you get one of those Charlie horses. Or your brain feels a little foggy um, or lightheaded or woozy when you get up from a chair. Maybe you feel like, you know, you've had a drink or something, even though you haven't. And another one is if you, uh, your urine color is darker than normal because it should be almost clear. So if it's really yellow or it looks like Chardonnay, you're probably dehydrated. Now, as dehydration worsens, you will experience greater lightheadedness and then your heart rate will start beating faster and pulsing because your heart is trying to pump harder because it's trying to get fluid to your organs. Um, and then thirst, you know, then you might get thirsty, uh, your skin feels dry, you're, and also you start touching your skin and it doesn't bounce back. So if you pinch your skin and it stays up for a few seconds. So I know with me, when I got dehydrator, uh, when I would really get serious, I would get lightheaded and all of a sudden I'd hear a buzzing in my ears and I would know, oh my gosh, I am going to pass out. And um, I would, I would just faint. And it, 
since I take water with me everywhere now and drink, you know, at least 72 ounces or maybe more of water every day, I don't get dehydrated. But I obviously have a tendency for dehydration. And I think a lot of us do, especially if we're type A or we're really busy or we're working a lot. So you have to really be careful. So to reverse a moderate dehydration, drink a cup of water or sports drink with electrolytes in it every 20 minutes for an hour. And you, you'll start to feel better literally within a few minutes. I now have sport drinks, even though I don't like sport drinks. I, I just keep them um, in the refrigerator in case for any reason I feel dehydrated. And when I travel now, I'll take a powdered electrolyte with me because I don't do well on planes. And I tend to get dehydrated on planes, even though I'm drinking water. This is really important. If you feel dizzy and your heart rate is faster than usual, that probably means you're going to end up like me in the hospital. So you probably need to seek medical attention and you don't want to pass out and hit your head or fall on the floor or any of that. It probably means you're going to need IV fluids because you need faster rehydration than you can do on your own. So if you feel like you're going to pass out, get to a phone and call 911. Now, to prevent dehydration, just to make sure you take in enough fluids. What you can do is to divide your weight in half and drink that number of ounces every day. Now, the tip is 20% of your hydration comes from fresh fruits and veggies. So, you know, you can count those in it. But I like to have more water in me. I, yes, that does mean that I am running to the restroom more often, but I would rather go to the restroom than to be going to the emergency room. So the highest in water content as far as fruits, uh, vegetables would be celery, cucumber, lettuce, and watermelon. So you could maybe take some celery or cucumbers with you um, in a, you know, in a Ziploc to work if you, t or wherever, or on that plane and be especially vigilant if you have a fever or you lose a lot of water because you're sweating. It's a hot day. You're working outside now. And if you have a diarrhea or vomiting or you're exercising in hot uh, weather or you're taking antihistamines, you have to be absolutely careful because you will dehydrate much quicker. And my advice is wherever you are, always have water with you. I know in my car, I actually keep a full gallon of water plus my reusable water bottle right by, you know, in that cup holder. And then refrain from alcohol and caffeine because they actually dehydrate you. So the key is you want to stay healthy and you want to stay hydrated because it seems like, oh, I'm dehydrated, not a big deal, but just take it from me. You can die and uh, you will die if you don't keep enough fluids in you at all times. So there's really no excuse in this day and age where we have recyclable uh, containers that we can put our water in that we can keep with us at all times. There's ones, you know, they have hooks on them. If you are running or walking or horseback riding, you can uh, clip it to your pants or your belt. You can put them in a backpack and you can have one of those things, but just to make sure to have it. And again, for flights, the hard thing on flights, I always refill my bottle after I've gone 
through the um, the check, you know, the baggage check, whatever you call it, because you can't take you can't take water uh, with you. Once when I was going through um, through England in London and Heathrow, which is an airport, I just hate it's just too big somehow I had a little small water bottle in my carry-on that they had given me on the plane and then I almost missed my next plane because they had to go through all my luggage and and it was just one of those little small ones but I think it was four ounces instead of three ounces Uh, but once you get through your the checkpoint you can refill water bottles and most most airports now have refilling stations or go and buy a water before you get on the plane. Do not assume that the plane is going to have water. I sat on a tarmac once for, for eight hours and they had nothing in the plane to give people and people were passing out. So make sure that you keep water with you. Well, that is this short little segment on dehydration and keeping healthy. We'll be doing a business bite coming right up on how to lead your life. And then we will get happy and go into the garden. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in just a little bit. So don't go away, but go get a glass of water. Be the star you are. The star you your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. We live in a high-tech world where personal time sometimes feels non-existent. In order to lead the pack, you first have to take care of yourself, the leader of your life. And even when you're an employee, you are always self-employed. So take pride in your work. Take many vacations to rejuvenate your spirit. Find a focus partner and share your business strengths and weaknesses. Create relationships of trust by doing what you say you will do. Follow up and get back to people in a timely fashion. Write a personal mission statement and live by it daily. Upgrade your integrity quotient and be proactive in staying healthy. Increase your skills by reading, writing, and communicating. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. Cynthia Bryan, Bryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you are, the star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be the Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be the Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376. 376 Moraga, California 94556 Be the Dare to care. You are the star. 
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is Well, this part of our show me. of Star Style, Be the Star You Are, is more of a party because I always feel like I'm partying when I am in the garden. Uh, Henry Ward Beecher said, the sun does not shine for a few trees and flowers, but for the wide world's joy. Now, it has been at least seven years since we have enjoyed weather like this here in Northern California. Uh, February, I'm normally accustomed to cold, dreary, gray, lots of rain in the months of Aquarius and Pisces, actually. But this year is really buoying my spirits, even though I know that we really need rain. And I have to admit, I have been lapping up these 70 to 80 degree days. Today, it's like 85. Uh, It gives me more time to be outdoors. And when I'm not working, uh, I can be weeding, pruning, repairing, planting, you know, doing all of those uh, wonderful things. But uh, it's actually still winter. And so if it's still winter, and it's going to be mild and bright. Why not enjoy it? However, there are drought fears that are rising here in California and maybe in uh, other parts of the West here because California's mountain snowpack is about half its normal level. And this is raising fears that the state could return to a drought after a string of mostly abundant wet years in the last few so on um, this past week, the Department of Water Resources conducted a survey at the measuring station near Lake Tahoe, and it recorded 29 inches of snow, which is only 40 per, 47% of average for this time last year. In fact, this time last year, they had recorded over 50 feet of snow. I mean, it was really really crazy. Now, the reduced snowpack follows a roughly six-week stretch that has been one of the driest periods on record in California, and there's really no rain in sight. Um, We're hoping that maybe on the weekend we might get a drizzle, but it's so interesting that this is the first time since 1864, and it's the only the second time in history that we've had no rain for the month at all of February or the beginning of March. So state officials are saying that the northern part of the Sierra Nevada mountains, they are on track to experience no precipitation this month for the first time since records started there a hundred years ago. And at the same time last year, by contrast, the Sierra Mountains were buried under snowpack that stood at 144% of normal, and it was double the average amount from 2017. That's when our governor, who was Jerry Brown at the time, declared an end to a five-year drought. Um, and the drought had really hurt the farm economy, and it had prompted mandatory rationing of water. Our water bills just went sky high. It turned forests into powder kegs for wildfires, as we know. I had a fire right to our back door. 
the hard thing about the water rationing is after our bills in water doubled, uh, here in our area, our bills, when Governor uh, uh, Brown actually canceled the drought, in many parts of the state, uh, people's water bills returned to prior the inexpensive, or I don't want to say inexpensive because nothing's inexpensive in California, but less expensive. They returned to rates that were, you know, normal. What our water district did is it rose our rates 20% and our sewerage rates 20%, and the, it's going to raise 20% for the next three years so that they can work on infrastructure. And so it's really frustrating because we have been rationing water for seven years and now we have to stay at this rationed water level just to keep our bills uh payable because even at the ration level they're going up 20 percent it's i don't know it doesn't make sense to me even though we have good water i'm grateful for that the prices are just crazy now california um usually has an above normal or below normal winter so we do go through periods of dry weather like this, the National Weather Service has said, but water officials say they've never seen a weather condition change as dramatically as it has this year. And they're calling it climate change um, is a contributing uh, factor. I know a lot of people don't believe in global warming or climate change, but I don't know how you can't believe in it when you see the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the earthquakes, the the volcanoes, the floods, the rain, you know, the really bad rains that are happening in other places. And now this drought that we are beginning to have here in California, and like the Pacific storms uh, this year were diverted to northwestern cities like Seattle. And Seattle had this unusually wet winter. So climate change is happening. And we're seeing a lot of things now that we haven't ever seen before. Now, the good news for California, at least this is what they're telling us, is that the reservoirs are mostly full around the state, while the snowpack, as meager as it is, is retaining its water content. It hasn't been melting too early. At one point during the drought, the snowpack had shrunk to as little as 10% of its normal size. So right now we have some positivity going on. And California's other major source of water is the Colorado River. And of course, the Colorado is having a banner snow season. And you probably have heard about Wyoming. There's so much snow there. In fact, there was a terrible, terrible traffic accident um, over the weekend, over a hundred car pileup and many people died. I, I think it was six people died and it was because of these snowstorms. So things could be worse here in California, but we are hoping for a miracle march and we're hoping that we can salvage um, a dry season because we really are afraid of more forest fires and just more fires actually in in cities and outlying areas. Um, the state's farms are likely to feel the pinch this year. I know that on our farm, we have a lake, and which is normally, it can get to like 20 feet deep. There's only like about a foot and a half of water in it now, and there are fish in there. And if it dries up, I mean, the fish are going to die. So the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation said earlier this week that based on these dry conditions, 
It's actually reducing allocations of federally controlled irrigation water to an initial level of as little as 15% of normal for some farm districts. And what that means to us as the consumer is that we can expect prices on produce to really go up this summer and this fall and maybe to even have less of it, especially if we get a late rain and it knocks off all the blossoms or knocks off the fruit, that's going to be not good, not good at all. But now let's go to the positive side of what's happening in our gardens here because spring, it feels like spring's here. It's really, really beautiful. The tulip magnolias, the peaches, the plums, the pear trees, they are all in full bloom. The bees, there are so many, I'm talking about my garden now, the bees are busy buzzing their business in the blossoms. The scents of narcissi and stock and freesia fill the air. Oxalis, which is also called shamrock, it's carpeting vineyards and trails and roadsides. Now, usually the shamrock, interestingly enough, doesn't bloom until around St. Patrick's Day, but it has been blooming for a couple of weeks. Now, wisteria and lilac are already budded. They're ready to burst any day. So I, from what my um, calculations are telling me from, you know, the calendars that I keep every year about what blooms uh, when, and we are a full month ahead of schedule right now. Everything is blooming a full month ahead. So uh, spring actually erupted about mid-February, and in many Northern California areas, Temperatures have been in the high 80s. So if it wasn't for these water shortages and the rising trajectory of global warming, we would all be really happy because we'd be having spring, which most people love. But instead, we may have to do a, a chant and a dance for rainfall. We don't want another summer drought. So what can you do in your garden if you are in California and it's not raining yet? Compost is going to be your most important gardening ingredient this season. And by turning your organic waste into humus, you're going to be feeding your plants in the same manner that Mother Nature has been nurturing the planet since the beginning of time. Because what compost does is it helps your plants retain moisture, it curtails erosion, it maintains a constant temperature, it enriches your soil, and it's very simple to make and it's free. And so everybody can do it. So I want to give you a recipe for compost. Now, you can do it in an open pile. You can buy compost bins. You can buy these turning bins. And if you have a small place, you can actually do it in a bucket. Uh, And actually, some of your sanitation districts actually give away these small covered buckets that you can put under your sink. Now, you can add both green and dry plant material Plus, you can add eggshells, coffee grinds, tea leaves, and fish bones. Green matter is anything like grass clippings, vegetables, weeds, without seeds, by the way. Peelings like carrot peelings, onion peelings, or green leaves. Now, dry matter includes things like paper, you know, shredded paper, straw, small twigs, leaves that are dried, and stalks that are dried. You'd never want to add any animal feces, any diseased plants, or meat products. But you can add, like, fish bones. But it's good if you can chop up everything. Uh, Moisten everything without soaking it. And if you're doing it in an open pile or a compost bin, you can just turn it with a pitchfork at least weekly. If you are doing it in a small little pail, 
a covered pail that's under your sink or sitting in your garage or sitting on your porch. You can even turn it with a wooden spoon and just keep it damp. If you want to add some worms, they are terrific to uh, speed up the results. Now, what happens is the compost is going to cook and it's going to steam. It gets warm. So again, you just add water as necessary. Don't make it soaking wet. But if the pile is too dry, it just needs a little bit of moisture as you turn it. Now, how do you know when it's ready? When it starts to smell really earthy, sweet, and it looks like a crumbly chocolate cake. So if you pick it up and it's all mucky like mud, it's not ready. So I do recommend creating two or three different piles or having two or three different pails because they're going to finish at different times. And that way you can always have a batch cooking and then you can make your own compost. Um, It's just a great way to recycle just almost everything with zero waste. And as a bonus, as I said, it's absolutely free plant food and your plants are going to love it. So what are some of the gardening guide things that you want to do for March? You can start creating some simple arrangements with branches um, that you can cut from if you have a blooming peach, a pear, or a plum. And if you have daffodils or freesias in your garden, cut a few and just add them together. It really turns out to be really pretty. Now, I am noticing a lot of dandelions in my lawn right now. And I have had some people say to me, they love dandelions, you know, the bees like them, etc. I don't like them in my lawn. I like to have a green lawn. But when we were kids, we used to blow, we used to call them angel seeds. And just know when you, if you blow an angel seed, you're going to get thousands of dandelions. They are nutritious and they're delicious in salads and sautés. Also, the quail love to eat them, California quail, if you have them. But if you don't want them in your lawn, don't blow them in your lawn. You might just want to, you know, take a pot and blow the seeds in there. This is the time to pick lettuce and parsley and arugula and Swiss chard and baby mustard. You can add all of that to your meals. You can make artful wall hangings using a variety of succulents. So if you are a succulent person, there, um, there's, I have some pictures that are at my website, CynthiaBryan.com. There are some really great arty ways to do it. Uh, tulip magnolias, oh gosh, they are so beautiful. That deep, deep crimson pink with the light buff, uh, blush pink on it. Cut a stem, enjoy it indoors. I've seen it in restaurants, they cut a whole branch and put it in a tall vase, it really looks great. Watch for aphids, moths, slugs, and snails on artichoke plants as they start maturing. You'll have to blast the leaves with water if you see an infestation. Now, if you're having a pollen-related allergy, talk to your doctor. Pollen fertilizes plants, but it really causes misery for sufferers. And acacia trees are so beautiful in bloom, and they are everywhere now. But they could trigger hay fever or asthma. The other thing is to aerate and dethatch your lawns if necessary, and then be prepared to scatter seeds and fertilizer before rain. So if you see that it's going to rain, then that's the time to get out there. I actually go out in the rain. I scatter the seeds, and then I fertilize at the same time. I just put a rain hat on, and I don't care if I get wet. I mean, it's just water. Um, So that's a good one. Um, shoot lots of pictures of spring unfolding. I, it's really fun to watch 
how your garden grows, uh, you know, year after year. Now, before recycling an empty milk carton or half and half, fill it with water and use it on any house plants that you have. That residual calcium is so good for your plants. And it also rinses clean the cartons that have to go in the bins because those bins, the recycle bins go to China and China isn't going to take recycling anymore because they said the bins they were getting were too dirty. Now, for your favorite seed packets, uh, they are in the garden centers and nurseries right now. So go and you can start buying them, buy new seeds and get ready to sow them. Again, don't sow until it rains. And then for your rose bushes, which hopefully everything's pruned by now, but if you want to promote large blooms and healthy plants, spread some alfalfa uh, pellets mixed with diatomaceous earth around your rose bushes. I buy my uh, alfalfa pellets at the feed store and then I just put them in my garden. So the vernal equinox is still three weeks away, but right here in, in Northern California, the sun is shining on our gardens and for all of us. So for me, it's playtime. So happy gardening and happy growing. Well, thank you for being great listeners and letting me be with you every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific here on Voice America. This is the Empowerment Channel. We do want to encourage and inspire you and hopefully empower you to change your life for the better, make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style Productions, which is my company, or myself, visit CynthiaBryan.com. You can also purchase any of my eight books there or get them online if you want, but we have the best prices right on the website. And there the money goes to the charity, Be The Star You Are. And that website is BeTheStarYouAre.org. I always hope to inform, amuse, and motivate you. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate today because today is all we have. And since it's spring, why don't you read Growing with the Goddess Gardener, available at CynthiaBryan.com. And until we celebrate once again next week, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and encourage you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. And most of all, communicate, collaborate, innovate. Thank you for being with me. Be the star you are. The star you been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program star style be the star you are we have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire inform entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be for more information visit starstyleradio.com and to make a donation to the charity go to be the star you ignite the flame that burns brightly within Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. Be the star you are.